Uh, hello and welcome to McGettin Fry's Movie News Review Opinion Podcast Take 2. Yes, hello. My name is Gavin. My name is Ian. And uh, what Ian means by Take 2 is that uh, we actually went, like, what was it, 15 minutes? Yeah, I'll, 15 let, you go, I'll let you go full 15 minutes before like 15 I uh, minutes. cut you off. There was uh, there were some real gems there, and uh, depending on how we feel, we may repeat some of them later. But then we found out that the sound was fucked, so uh, we spent the last hour trying to figure out what was wrong. And now, hopefully, we have fixed things. So, welcome. Welcome. Uh, for those of you who are listening to us for the first time, McGeppin Fries is it's a movie talk show where we talk about various things that are happening in and out of Hollywood, and then we round it up with some reviews. I'll be reviewing the latest film that Tom Hanks directed. Uh, Larry Crown is the first film that he's directed since 1996's That Thing You Do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I'll also be doing a really quick review of The Trip, uh, which is the uh, film by Michael Winterbottom, starring Steve Coogan and uh, Rob Brighton, which is uh, edited together from the BAFTA award-winning TV sitcom. series The Trip. Which I did not know about. And I would never know about it, have you not told me? And yeah. it's amazing that the film actually plays really well. You'd never know that it was a fucking TV show. <laughs> you have, like, photographic memory, don't you? Uh, it's, it's the actor in me. I, just, I remember the fucking dialogue, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I'd forgotten what I was going to review there for a second, but I'm going to review uh, Nicholas Winding Refn's uh, Drive, starring Ryan Gosling, amongst Is others. Is that how you pronounce the third? The Refn? It's Refn? Refn, I reckon it's Refn. You Refn? Yeah. You Refn, it's Refn? I reckon it's <laughs> Hold it. So yeah, I reckon it's Refn. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, uh, you can email us at podcast at That's podcast at mcyappenfries.com. Drop us a line, tell us what you think, if you think we're awesome, if you think we're shit. Either way, we shall respond. And you can also find our Twitter feed at, uh, on the website uh, down to the right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, follow us. We're fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> We've, uh, I post at least one cute cat video a day. Well, that says a lot about you, my friend. Have you ever seen this movie, Chopping Mall? No, I heard something about it. I just saw the title. It's a great title. It's a great title, and also the poster for the original film is fucking awesome. It's it's just like a bunch of like chopped up fucking teenagers in a shopping in a shopping bag being held out with a robot hand. Is it a robot hand or is it a robot? It's a robot hand. I've never heard of this film, but um, it's a Roger Corman film. It came out in 1986 called uh, Chopping Mall. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and uh, it's it's being uh, remade. It's being remade by this guy um, uh, Robert Hall, and um, uh, the producer is uh, Kevin Bocard, who's the producer of titles of uh, sh- like Shark Swarm, Lightning Bug, and The Curse of King Tut's Tomb. <laughs> That's an excellent CV. <laughs> yeah, Ro- Robert Hall is going to be directing it, and uh, prior to becoming a director, he was a, a special effects makeup artist. And uh, since then, he has directed such classics as Late to Rest and Chrome Skull Late to Rest 2. Huh. <laughs> but anyway, um, the original the original was about a group of teenagers uh, who um, get trapped in a shopping mall that's guarded by robotic security guards oh, who visual. start killing all the teenagers. And the premise is genius. I mean, it's a great, it's it's classic drive-in material. You know? I thought it was, I thought it was actually a zombie movie. I heard the title. Nah, it's robots. It's like a science fiction, science fiction mall rats, if you will. Or uh, it's a cross between <laughs> science fiction mall, uh, science fiction Dawn of the Dead. Although uh, this looks like 
you know, as it is with a lot of remakes, uh, this looks like it's going to just piss all over the original because apparently, according to Robert Hall, and I quote, we're going to downplay the science fiction elements and instead focus on the supernatural terror. <coughs> so it's going to be a, a remake about a movie. Uh, it's a re robots. Yeah, with robots, but they're going to ignore the science fiction elements. So whatever he means by that, I have no idea. Maybe Hal runs them all. Actually, there's another film that's uh, getting remade, um, the movie Maniac. Did you hear anything about this? This is pretty insane. Did you ever see this film? No. This was with... Um, not Maniac Cop. It was Maniac. This was with uh, Joe Spinell. Oh, was it Maniac Maniac? It was something? Maniac. Just Maniac. Yeah. They did do a sequel. Yeah. Uh, um, and I can't remember. I mean, like, it was a... I never saw that movie. The sequel was shit from what I hear. But the original Maniac is actually pretty cool. It was Joe Spinell as this guy who um, just basically goes around killing prostitutes. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's haunted by... Um, you know, like nightmares, uh, yes. Uh, but he's haunted by nightmares of his mom, because his mom was like used to abuse him and shit, so like when he kills these, these prostitutes, he, he sees, sees her. He sees her, yeah. I didn't read something about that a couple of weeks back, I think. And uh, it, was, it was, I mean, it's... it's Is it a video, honestly? You look, you look, you look, you watch the movie now, and it comes across as your typical kind of slasher film, but it did, it did have an edge, it does have an edge. And um, they're remaking it. Um, with all the edges piled off. Well, actually, it's kind of interesting the route they're going with. It's a pretty interesting... Uh, first of all, it's being directed by, I think, Frank Calhoun, I think is his name. He directed P2 with Wes Bentley. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's being written and produced by uh, Alexandra Ea. Oh, yeah. Um, who directed... Uh, oh, yeah. Ea? Uh -huh. um, I'm shitting with foreign names, man. Uh -huh. Fucking sue me. <laughs> <laughs> Come on over here, taking our jobs. But, uh, so, it's about this guy, Frank Zito. Played by Joe Spinell in the original. Yeah. And in the remake, you'd never guess who they've got to play fucking Frank Zito. Zach Efron. No. It's it's even better. <laughs> Justin Bieber? No. <laughs> Elijah Wood. Oh really? Yeah. I, oh, that's where I saw it. Yeah. But he's I mean he did the killer, he did the psycho killer in Sin City, and that worked really well. It for did him. work really well, but this is a totally different chemical fish. Mm -hmm. I mean, like this is him, you know, like he you know, like in Sin City, all he had to do was look creepy. Yeah. Which he did very well, you know what I mean? But it's all in the eyes. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, it, whereas with this or one... Or shade. Yeah, whereas with this one, it's a, it's a much... It's a, it's a very different beast. And it'll be really interesting to see how he pulls it off. He plays manic and panicked a lot. Yeah. I mean, Hope... Fro Hobo? Frodo? <laughs> Frodo was pretty panicked, the whole... No, hang on. Yeah, that's Frodo. Right. Frodo was essentially a medieval version of Re Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, and then, um, you know, in Wilfred, he's constantly doesn't know what's going on. He's rushing around the place all the time. Mm -hmm. um, what was the other thing? That video you put up, even when he was trying to be threatening, he comes off as confused. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, what was it? Um, the Fantastic Fest. Fantastic Fest clips, yeah. I'll, I'll put a link up to that as well. No, but I think it'll be really interesting to see how he tackles this, uh, mm. because this could be a real opportunity for him to move away. Because, I mean, depending on how faithful they stay to the original, because in the original, this guy's not a panicky person. I mean, he has his moments, of obviously, where he freaks out. Yeah. But for the most part, he's a pretty fucking vicious, like, very in-control kind of killer. So, it's like, yeah, so it is like, uh, it is a serial killer movie. You don't empathize with him. Yes, no. yes. No, no, you do empathize with him. Oh, really? You do empathize with him, but you empathize with him during certain key moments of the film, like when he's killing, like in the beginning of the movie when he's just fucking running around and killing bitches. You don't empathize with him that much. No. I mean, you kind of do because, like, you know, the, the bitches deserve to die. Seek help. You know, the bitches <laughs> deserve to die because they're out just having pointless sex, mm -hmm. you know, with people who don't look like me. <laughs> you know, so like, 
Elijah Wood's probably like, to, you know, like, it's kind of probably mirrors his life. You know, he's like walking around killing women that don't want to fuck him. Yeah. There you go. Let's go play Elijah Wood in it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Interesting. We have a shopping mall sense. I don't know. Shopping mall, I don't know. I mean, I got a lot more because I haven't seen the original. Yeah. Hearing news about the remake actually makes me more interested in hunting the original. It sounds it. awesome. It sounds pretty <laughs> awesome. Although I am beat it. It doesn't have like a very high rating amongst, amongst uh, viewers. No. no, I want to see the New York Ripper. <laughs> I haven't seen the New York Ripper. Have you seen the New York Ripper? What's the New York Ripper. When I was out, like, um, because when I found out about the uh, the Maniac news, uh -huh. uh, I realized, like, shit, I haven't seen that movie in years. So I went on Amazon and ordered the thirtieth uh, uh, anniversary edition of Maniac. Of Maniac. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking awesome. And um, <laughs> Tom Savini did the makeup. Oh, sweet, sweet, sweet. Yeah. So like, they're interviewing Tom Savini, like a retrospective, and Tom Savini looks into the camera. It's like, cause they're doing a remake. They're doing a remake, so I want to know whether, like, hey, keep the camera on me. I want them to see this. I want to know if, if you need a guy to play the guy. I played in the year because he did a cameo. He played this guy who got his uh, head blown off. Nice. <laughs> Tom Savini's cool. Tom Savini. I love Tom Savini. He's the guy with. He's the guy who had a. The crotch gun. Uh, yeah, crotch gun. I was gonna say. I was gonna say like a shotgun for a cock. <laughs> <laughs> they both work. They both work. Uh, a little bit of casting news now. Uh, news comes in yesterday that Ben Wishaw has been um, cast as Q in the new James Bond Skyfall movie. I heard about this. He's 31. So he's 12 years younger than uh, Daniel Craig. He used to be in. Uh, he was in uh, the Tem Julie Taymor's version of The Tempest. He played Ariel. He was mm -hmm. in The Hour of International and Larry Craig, apparently. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He looks like a bit of a prick. He, uh, I mean, like this particular picture, and you should put this up with his hair. You know, it's like that sort of he like slap. it's like that unkept kind of like, ooh, how how hip and how hip am I? Kind of. He's aiming for Robert hair. Pattinson, but he's a bit he's not as pale. You know, why would you want to aim for Robert Pattinson unless you're carrying a fucking rifle? But it is interesting to have a younger Q, I guess. Q's always been older. Yeah, no, I, I can see that kind of happening. I mean, and uh, I guess you can't cast Simon Pegg because he's busy. Yeah, he's, Simon, do, he's doing the exact same role. Yeah, in, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you see the Simon Pegg feature? On what? No, on no, 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 no. I'm not watching any of the Mission Impossible shit. No, no, but it was just a nice little feature. It's I don't not, care. It's a Simon Pegg feature. No, 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 I don't care. It's just him on the set. I, I am not interested about. in Mission Impossible 4. In any way, shape, or form? In any way, shape, or form. You want to watch it when it comes out? I will. <laughs> but I'm not gonna fucking like feed the monkey any more than I need to. <laughs> you know, and even then, I'm gonna try and get a free ticket. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, no, I saw. I mean, it's a nice, it's a little feature outside of Pegs. I saw the first trailer. I mean, I saw the first trailer. It does look like it will be at the very it's least. It's definitely an impossible mission movie. Yeah. The only thing that this movie's got going for it, as far as I'm concerned, is the fact that Brad Bird is directing it. Yeah. You know, like uh, we've talked about this before. I'm just over Tom Cruise. I'm just done with him. Yeah. I'm done with him. Lock, lock the door. Throw away the key, man. The closet. The door. The closet. <laughs> Cocktails and dreams was a long time ago. <laughs> but there's just a nice. It's a lot of interviewing Simon Pegg and him just talking about stuff, and it's nice. It's yeah. Peg being Peg. I am interested in. Well. I am interested in Skyfall, though. The idea of a James Bond movie directed by Sam Mendes is. Uh, a very intriguing prospect. Mm. Although the guy who, uh, one of the guys who's um, credited as a screenwriter, was his name, John Logan. Mm -hmm. Have you seen what this guy looks like? He looks like a pedophile. Is he the guy who wrote Star Trek Nemesis? He might be. I don't know. Uh, to the interwebs. Fact check. I don't know. You, sh you should. Uh, he's he's one of the um, screenwriters on uh, Martin Scorsese's new film Hugo. That's getting very good reviews. He's getting very good reviews, but apparently it's not not cleaning up at the box office. 
which doesn't really surprise me. I mean, everyone expects a Martin Scorsese movie to clean up because it's Martin Scorsese, but a lot of people don't realize that Martin Scorsese is... Does, yeah, people don't make... He doesn't make money. Yeah, he's a cinephile sort of... Uh, he's a what? He's a cinephile <laughs> kind of film lover, you know what I mean? The only reason his movies have been making a lot of money recently is because of his partnership with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. What's wrong with Yeah, he doesn't look that bad. He looks like a pedophile. He wrote Rango. Oh, yeah, Hugo... No, Sweeney Todd, yeah. The Aviator, Last Samurai, Star Trek Sinbad, Nemesis. Uh, Star Trek Nemesis. He's done a lot of stuff. He's a very talented writer, but he looks like a fucking child rapist. <laughs> Look at him. Look at the way he's looking at me. Is he in the <laughs> you gotta, we'll put this picture up for you so you can see it. Actually, this picture doesn't really do it justice. If you go on Collider.com when he's being interviewed for uh, Hugo, there's this uh, freeze frame shot of him. Actually, while we're talking about freeze frame shots, uh, Total Film have this um, thing on the worst movie sex scenes ever. Oh, really? And uh, one of them uh, is uh, the sex scene from... Uh, um, uh, shit. It's right on the tip of my tongue. And the J- Jason Statham. Sex scene. Amy Smart. Crank. Crank. That's right, yeah. That's on the worst list? It's on the worst list. It's on the worst list. I don't agree. I don't agree. There's I think a it's, sex a, it's a fantastic sex I, scene. I think it's a great sex scene. It's, it's, on, a, it's on a letter, it's on a, a mailbox in the middle of the street while a bunch of kids drives by. Yeah, but you gotta, you gotta see, like, the picture that they've used. Oh, really? The, the picture that they've used for it, Amy Smart's face is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Go to totalfilm.com after this, and, you know, when you've got some time, and just look for their worst sex scenes feature, and look for fucking... The, the picture of Crank with Jason Statham nailing Amy Smart. Amy Smart's face is genius. Um, speaking of genius, I gotta say this because, you know... What was that again? Totalfilm.com. I'm taking notes. Uh, speaking of genius, I just gotta talk about this because this person deserves to fucking burn in an eternal lake of fire. The heading reads, this is on uh, worstpreviews.com. The heading reads, Twilight fan blames driving drunk on boyfriend's refusal to see film. <laughs> Olivia Ornelas, an 18-year-old Twilight fan in Aurora, Illinois, or if you're uh, Jason Mewes, Illinois. Illinois. Come was, on, feel the Illinois. Was, there is no Sherman, Illinois. <laughs> was arrested for unlawful consumption and drinking under the influence early Saturday morning. According to a police report, she was extremely intoxicated when officers found her car in a ditch. When asked what happened, she blamed the whole thing on her boyfriend, who refused to take her to see the Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 1. Well, she was pissed when she, when she asked him. She obviously could have gone to see the film by herself, but chose to get drunk and get behind the wheel of her car that had the, ro- that, that, that had the front right tire missing. <laughs> So she, was she, I'm, I'm just thinking, did she ask him when she was, oh, I got a fucking Twilight. <laughs> Drive me a Twilight, motherfucker. All I got or did she just then go drinking after he said no? I don't know. All I got to say is let's propose a toast to, to fucking Olivia. Poster child. <laughs> Poster child for Twilight fandom. Yeah. Well, raise a glass to you because you won't be raising any glasses in, in jail. Plastic cups. <laughs> that and the fact that you're fucking retarded. <laughs> Fucking Twilight, man. What the fuck? You mentioned that you know, it's like they just couldn't finish it with one fucking movie. They just no. had to split it into two. No. Oh, well, who was it? Was it uh, the Harry Potter movies with David Yates? Or was it somebody else I heard recently was talking about, um, you know, they're splitting the movies into different sections. So, like, at, at some point, like, they're just going to release the credits as a single movie. <laughs> well, 
Oh, uh, you you were asking. The baby does get delivered in the first film. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's see that one. Okay. Then we can just pass it. Don't. There's a lot of hate on it, but if you like it, fair enough, fair use to you. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, if you like that shit, I guess there's nothing really wrong with you. Yeah. You know, although there is something wrong with the Twilight Moms. You know, like, uh, weird, yeah, the, yeah. the Twilight Moms are a little bit weird. There's know? a great thing I got a link to on Oatmeal as the, well. There is something sadly lacking in your life if you are going to be fucking... There's just something fucked up about your life, bitches, so you gotta sort yourselves out. There's a great thing on a website called The Oatmeal. Have you ever seen that? It's the one like why dolphins need to be punched. Five reasons why dolphins should be punched. Look at them, they're smiling all the time. Um, but they have like why twi- how Twilight works. But they're ugly. Dolphins are ugly. That's why they should be punched. So no, I think that's, that's on the list. You know. But, and, um, and, when, and, also think and when they're happy, they sound like, they sound like pigs getting slaughtered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's a camel. That's a camel. That's a Peter camel. camel. But um, they were saying, you know, it's the whole thing of, you know, it's, it's a character you can, you know, she's a character that any girl can identify with because she's a, a basic husk. I think even the first book doesn't explain what Bella looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he has all the funny animations, beside, funny pictures beside it, theopenhill.com, should have looked at that. All right. But yeah, I mean, we've only got one more to go and then we can stop listening to this shit. Um, but you mentioned Hugo earlier, that might not be making much money, but I think The Muppets is getting huge amounts of praise heaped on it. Yes, it is, it is. And apparently, um... NBC is, render, is, is looking for a script, uh, has ordered a script for a single camera comedy project based um, about a, a, a Palm Springs Muppet, a, a Palm Springs normal family and their neighbors turn out to be called, turn out to be Muppets, mm-hmm. called um, Our Neighbors. Is it Our Neighbors? Our Neighbor, but it's, it's, it's N-A-B-O-R, you know that fucking American way spelling it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it looks like Muppets are all back again. I mean, the movie seems to have been the right mix of um, playing sentimentality and humor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That worked out really, really well. So people, I mean, people are raving about it. Well, I mean, the Muppets is one of those things. I mean, it's like when I went to see Tintin a few days ago, mm-hmm. uh, which was awesome, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and the trailer for the Muppets came on. Mm-hmm. It's like immediately the whole cinema just... Started smiling. Just started smiling. Everyone was just going, yeah, I feel, I feel fucking five years old again, and it feels awesome, you know. And it's just, there's just something about the Muppets. I mean, if there's got to be something truly wrong with you, yeah, you know, if if you if you don't like it, you know, it's 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 like a, it's an immortal sin to not like the Muppets. Yeah. You know, there's something fucking wrong with you. It's like it's like every time I watch Fraggle Rock, I feel like a child, and it feels awesome. <laughs> Everything you've seen, all the publicity stuff they've did, all the bits of shows they're on, have been genius. Yeah, been I, genius. I, 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 I mean, I haven't seen a lot of. They're the felt Pixar. Only live. I mean, Pixar have five years to get all the jokes right and the, the everything. What? But these guys are doing it. I don't know who's doing Kermit's voice right now. Apart from you know, it's Kermit obviously. But they like you know the improv, the kind of like running with jokes, interview interview wise. I mean, some of it's set up, but they're like also they're the characters. You know what I mean? Have you heard anything about Kermit's voice sounding a little different this time around? Mm-hmm. Or that Kermit just sort of looking a little bit different? Not really. No. I mean, I saw something where they were asking about. It was a guy asking. I got halfway through an interview with some Brian Topolopoulos, and he's asked about Fuzzy's jokes, and they did the nose wrinkle. Was I telling you this before? I think it was in the pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did the nose wrinkle, and it's like you know, everyone knows that means Kermit's kind of nervous and uncomfortable, and it just that worked so well at that time to do that, and just the the timing and everything is impeccable, absolutely insane. So I'm really, the Muppets will break uh, will be released in Malaysia on December eighth. 
Right. No, I mean, I'm really excited about it, but it's kind of weird. It's like I'm excited to watch it, but at the same time, I find myself this whole thing with the, with the new Muppets movie coming out, it makes me more excited to go back and watch the old ones. Yeah. Because I haven't seen them in so long. I mean, my favorite was always The Great Muppet Caper. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, I know I know a lot of people rate The Great Muppet, the, the, the Muppet movie, but for me, The Great Muppet Caper is... Which like, is the one with the caper? Which is the one with the guy who puts um, a Kermit the, the in an electric chair? The caper is the one where they're, they're reporters. Uh-huh. And uh, it, it, the, the caper is the one with Charles Grodin as the diamond thief. All I remember is the, the one. Mu- the, mu- the Muppet movie was the one where Animal like becomes a giant. Mm. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. He breaks out. The one with Charles Durning. That, that's uh, that's uh, Charles Durning in Muppet movie. Charles Grodin in Muppet. Movie. <laughs> Charles is together. <laughs> and then it was follow that bird. Was everyone together? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Was there, any, was there three or four? There was more. I don't know. There was there was there was a few. I mean, there was Muppet. those are the classic ones. Those are the classics one. Yeah, then, they, then they got into the. Then there was then there was you know like uh, the Muppet Treasure Island. There was the Muppet Christmas Carol and Michael Caine. Which is was, genius. Yeah, and then there was uh, Muppets in Space, which I did not see. I didn't. I haven't see, seen that yet. I haven't either. seen Muppets in Space. No. That was you know, and and I'm surprised I haven't seen Muppets in Space because Muppets in Space is all about finding out where Gonzo came from. Yeah, yeah. And Gonzo. Is, He's a blue weirdo. Is my favorite fucking character. Yeah, yeah. I love I love Kermit and I love Gonzo. And I, you know, I used to hate Mr. Piggy when I was a kid. Yeah. But now as an adult, I appreciate her. You appreciate her? You yeah. find her strangely attractive. <laughs> she reminds me of various people in my past. <laughs> <laughs> and Frank Oz is still doing it. That's be a trip for him. Like he's going. To, he's on SNL with his hand up a pig eyes. <laughs> I presume that's him. That was what fucking like you know like when Frank Oz was directing Marlon Brando in in <laughs> in, in the score. He directed Miss Piggy. <laughs> no, no, Marlon Brando and Frank Oz they did like they they, they clashed a lot of times uh, and, like and Marlon Brando apparently like would, would say things like you know you know I bet you wish that you put my hands up my ass and work me like a puppet. <laughs> it ain't gonna happen, Frank. <laughs> It's like <laughs> it's like when he was doing Superman. I think that Joe Allison should be a suitcase. <laughs> that was what he said to Richard Donner when they met. He's like, I was thinking that that uh, that Joel should be a suitcase. He should be a suitcase. I was thinking that the role of Joel could be played by a bagel. <laughs> I'll stay home, I'll do a voiceover. <laughs> Three million dollars, please. I'm not making this shit up. <laughs> Did he say all of that? Yeah, yeah. Can I get a t-shirt with Three million dollars, please. On no, it. no, he didn't say two million dollars, please. Uh, like, I made I, I had But he that. said the bagel He said the bagel thing. What did he do? It's it's common knowledge. You do your research on your Superman. Movie. I'm crying. I'm sorry. I'm the role of played by a bagel. Three million dollars, please. Get Zanuck on the phone. Dickie Donna's burning my ass. And then after that, he was like, you know, like uh, maybe, maybe they don't even speak English. Maybe they speak in electronic sounds. There's a subtitle. Because he had never read the comic, he had no fucking idea. He didn't read the script either, right? <laughs> no, he hadn't read, he hadn't read the script. Yeah. It was it was it was funny because um, the guy uh, it's like Tom Mankiewicz, I think was his name, the guy yeah. who uh, co-wrote the script with who co-wrote the script uh, of Superman. Apparently, like um, like a, 
a couple of days into shooting or a week into shooting or, or the first day of shooting, something like that. Uh-huh. Marlon Brando went up to him and said, like, I just went this quick. <laughs> and he's like, what, the whole thing for the first time? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, what do you think? He's like, this thing's a fucking Valentine. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Valentine? What does that mean? It means he liked it. Oh, okay. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> a bagel. <laughs> I can't believe you don't know this. Oh, I can't believe you can do this. This is Superman lore. This is Superman lore. I'm going to figure out how you do this. I can follow that with. Um, no. Well, nothing about any podcast at all at this point. <laughs> we should mention, uh, so what was it? Uh, Edgetown Weekly. Yeah. From one um, last son of the dying planet to another sci-fi movie. Yep. Um, Ridley Scott's Prometheus, which they're continually vaguely uh, linking to... Um, the alien movies. The alien movie. What was it? Michael Fassbender said something like, oh, there are creatures in it that you will recognize. And my, my, my first thought was, Bill Paxton? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting slightly annoyed with all of this fucking beating around the bush yeah. thing. You know what I mean? It's like... What what is there to gain from being such a fucking prick? Yeah. <laughs> you I know, mean, if they had gone one hundred percent close set, nothing getting out, they might have got away with it. But releasing these pictures, so these pictures, I'll put a link up to them. You've got um, Michael Fassbender and uh, some chick in their spacesuits. There's like a huge human head with like things that aren't alien pods, but look slightly sleeker, stone alien pod kind of things. Yeah. Uh, I mean. I mean, like, I, I'm, it's not so much that... I do want to see Stringer Bell on space, though. I want yeah. to see him fuck some bitches up. For, for those of you who don't know, that means Idris, Idris Elba. Elba. Yeah, and it, it Charlie Theron and Idris Elba together. And the, but there's one shot, the last shot there, is just like, you know, it, it's, it's, it's an alien-esque Well, I think, I think, you know, I mean, the whole thing of calling it an alien prequel, and this is the only reason I can think of as to why Ridley Scott is being so fucking coy about having it be an alien prequel, is because people assume that it's going to be about the origin of, of the xenomorph, mm-hmm. you know, whereas I, I think what... what it, Say xenomorph as a Marlon Brando. the xenomorph. this another bug hunt? I think the xenomorph <laughs> should, should be played by a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> you know, is, is uh, <laughs> he made me lose my train. <laughs> you know, I think, like... The, that he's too. I think really Scott is concerned that people are going to think that as an alien prequel, that people are going to be very concerned uh, about how where where the alien comes from. And it's daddy's, daddy issues and uh, yeah. you know, and the whole thing. But I think. But I think judging from what little I, I know about Prometheus is that it seems more like it's going to be a prequel to the space jockey yes. from the beginning of Alien, which is not necessarily where the alien comes from, although the aliens will probably f- factor into it at some point in the yes, plot, yeah. but, but the spine of the film will probably be more like the space jockey, and, and like with these images from uh, Entertainment Weekly, having it be a prequel to the space jockey from the first alien makes a lot more sense like that huge fucking face you know, remember we had the we had the, the synopsis off Iron 9 where basically but I just can't believe it's still being coy about it when there's a fucking set picture of a xenomorph in the, <laughs> what, what? floating around the internet oh yeah, yeah, yeah you know what I mean it's like it's a fucking it's an alien movie by the way aliens on ice you saw that I saw that <laughs> 
the, the, that troop, there's some, there's some troop somewhere yeah, in the yeah, US. That, that's what they're known for. They did like a cheap ass rendition of Robocop where he was wearing like a cornflakes box and now they did aliens on ice where half, I think the, the, the aliens were the only ones who could actually ice skate and everyone else was just wandering around. Did you see the bit in the video where um, the power loader falls over? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the power loader, the person, in the, like the, the guy playing Sigourney Weaver, literally yeah, 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 is yeah. in the power loader and it just falls on its ass. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll put a link to that as well. I had not, I did not see that. Yeah, but uh, was just, I watched the first video to summarize the, the whole show in two minutes and like, there's somebody going around with a dropship on their head, a little cardboard one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, aliens are nice, genius. I'd see it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like, I'm looking forward to Prometheus. I think it's going to be a great film. I mean, it better be a great film for all the bullshit it's putting us through. Yeah. Uh, but I have faith in Ridley Scott. I mean, even Ridley Scott's movies are like pizza. Even when they're bad, they're still pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like sex. Mm. <laughs> what was his last bad movie? A Good Year. <laughs> Which wasn't a very good film. No. Okay. Um. Mm. But uh, yeah, moving on. There was um. Speaking of uh, Ridley Scott, guess what his protege is doing? His protege, Carl Eric Rinksk. Uh, did I get his name right? I don't know. Rinksk. He's the director of 47 Ronin. 47 Ronin is, uh, the new, is a new samurai epic, 3D samurai movie um, that uh, stars Keanu Reeves as Kai, an outcast who joins up with another band of samurais. It's not Kai, it's Kai. 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 I need to know, can you handle the sword? <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, the 47 Ronin is actually a very, very uh, famous mythological story uh, in, from, in Japan. Is it's it? about a band of uh, samurai who um, they go Ronin after their... Um, basically, Ronin is... They go full Ronin. They go full Ronin. Ronin is essentially Ronin. another, another term. Ronin is... Unemployed. Yeah. <laughs> essentially. <laughs> it's, it's, the, uh, it's the samurai word for uh, unemployed, right? Yeah. And they uh, go out they, they go out on a quest to uh, avenge the death of their master. And uh, Keanu Reeves plays this sort of like outcast who joins them on this quest. Hmm. And it's being directed by Carl Eric Rinks, the protege of Ridley Scott, who was... Um, who is uh, was supposed to direct Logan's Run uh, before yeah, he had to decide between doing Logan's Run and 47 Ronin he chose 47 Ronin and then Logan's Run went to Nicholas Winding Refn Refn and uh, they just released this uh, first image of Keanu Reeves as Kai and it's no big deal I mean it's just him and his fucking Matrix outfit yeah pretty much <laughs> is that, no it's actually that's the same that's the Matrix outfit that um, Larry Fishburne wore in the, the training program that's what it looks like. Was it the same color? Well, it's him, it in a, it's him in a maroon fucking robe with a beard. And he looks like pretty much how you'd expect him to use. But um, it's I'm kind of interested in this because it's uh, the, the story itself is a very, very famous story. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they've... I, I don't know why. I've never been so excited about a directorial debut before. Uh-huh. Because this guy is supposed to be fucking amazing. Have you seen his commercials? His commercials are pretty cool. You should, you, should, you should check them out. I can't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> um, the only thing is, is that uh, Chris Morgan did the script. Who also did... Wanted. Huh. Yeah. And um, Wanted was the... The one with James McAvoy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, um, the, the time and, uh, it was, yeah and, and it was also scripted by the guy who did the script for Wings of the Dove. I can't remember the guy's name. Um, but uh, here's what he had to say about it. It's a time in Japanese culture when it was all about the Bushido Code of Honor and putting internal things over external things. 
swords that were made to be functional instead of ornamental, that kind of stuff. This turning point in the culture, when that started to shift, society started to be more about external kinds of things, the stories about these samurai where the lord is killed in an unfair way. And that's like, he, this guy should run for president. That, that, that's, that's the most useless piece of information I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> But uh, the official press release of the movie says, Inspired by the styles as diverse as Miyazaki and Hukusai, Rinks will bring to life the stunning landscapes and enormous battles. Rinch. Rinch. Will bring to life the stunning landscapes. Cut fucking ditch. Who's the Rinch? <laughs> will bring to life the stunning landscapes and enormous battles that would display the timeless Ronin story to global audiences in a way that's never been seen. And it's in 3D. A samurai movie in 3D could kick ass could really kick ass bring it back to Hugo Hugo if you, when Hugo does come out they just say go see it in 3D because it's it, it really good use of 3D in that alright yeah uh, that's a nice little follow up on what we mentioned before remember the video we had of um shit <laughs> <laughs> remember the video we had of Staff Sergeant Scotty Moore asking Mila Kunis out to the um Marine Corps ball. Oh, yeah, she bailed, didn't she? No, she went. All right. Yeah, yeah, she actually turned up in, uh, in the, 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 the Daily Mail called it Tiny Greenville, North Carolina. So, yeah, there was photos of Sharjah sure, went. She seemed to have a good time. Scotty seemed to have a good time as well. And uh, apparently, after, uh, what's his name? Justin Timberlake, which is, the two of them were in the Met, in which movie together? Uh, Friends of Benefits. Yeah, he gave her so much shit and got her to do it, but uh, he ended up um, going to... Corporal Kelsey DeSantis. He kept going to another. He went to another ball, and uh, Kristen Cavallari also uh, accepted uh, an invitation to it. So that's kind of just a nice little. That's, that's your unfriendly segment. <laughs> that's your nice, nice news of the day. I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's cool they went. No, yeah, I mean, that, that is cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we got to find an event, and then we got to set some YouTube videos going. Well, we got to fight in a war. <laughs> War against that. Athlete. I knew you were going to say that. War against getting up. I knew you'd say that. Uh, I forgot to mention this last week. There's an update again on the, uh, the Mad Max. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's rel- not too old news, but um, everywhere they keep trying to shoot this movie, it keeps raining and like turning into a paradise on Earth. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So during the uh, Happy Two press junkets, uh, Miller was asked about it. The, the, the director, I want to say, Miller, what's his name? George Miller. George Miller. The director was asked about what's the story with Mad Max. And uh, theoretically, it's next year's. They still have 150 big vehicles built. They were all geared up to start shooting in the Australian desert. And then unprecedented rain came. And what was wasteland, completely flat red earth, is now a flower garden. <laughs> the big massive salt flats in the center of Australia, where they do record speed trials and stuff, is now full of pelicans and fish. We sort of lost the wasteland. And the, the, where I got this as well as the, the backup desert locations were in the southwest, southwest African country of Namibia. They are also experiencing their heaviest rainfall in 120 years. Jesus. So, I mean, the fact that they built 150 vehicles that are just sitting somewhere waiting to be driven to destruction. Or it could be a way of, like, saying that God doesn't, you know, God doesn't want another Mad Max movie. At least not one with Mel Gibson in any way, shape, or form in it. You never know. I mean, like, Mel Gibson, you know, he is Mad Max. That's true. He has proven himself to be absolutely unstable. To really be Mad Max. (laughs) Goodbye. Yeah. I say give the boy a chance. Yeah. 
Um, you got any more news? No, I'm done. You're done? Yeah, should we move on to reviews? Um, let me just check. Oh, there was one other thing on TV. Seeing as the Muppets are coming back, the monsters are also coming back. Yeah, I heard about this. I skimmed over this article. I was like, no thank you. One of the things that got me interested in it is Brian Fuller, who did Pushing Daisies. Did you watch Pushing Daisies? Um, I saw a couple Lee of episodes. Pace, yeah, 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 it was uh, a while ago. One from Brookside, who buried the dad under the... She'll always be the chick who buried her dad under the patio. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he's been, the, he's been over the moon. Eddie Munster will still be telling up. He says, but there, I think it could be good. Brett Fuller has done good TV shows in the past. I can't remember he joined something else after uh, Pushing Daisies finished. I'm not sure if that was Supernatural or something else. But uh, it could be interesting. It depends what they do with it, though. Because he had a kind of a... Um, Pushing Daisies had a very kind of twee, but not twee style. You know what I mean? It was like, it was very 50s stylized, but they were acting modern. Mm-hmm. And it was very, very funny and just weird. You know, there's one where like, if he touches someone, they can go back to life for a minute. Mm-hmm. But he has to touch them again after that. Mm-hmm. Because if he doesn't, then they live, but someone else dies. Right. And he brings his girlfriend, his ex, you know, an ex, an old flame back to life. But if he actually, and they, they, they do fall in love, but if he touches her, she'll die again. Mm-hmm. So that was an interesting show. Highly recommend it. Uh, emails, we have no emails, fuck that. Um, reviews. Oh, you got two, so we'll start with you. Did I have a review of Over Shotgun? Yes, you did. Oh, okay, good. Delete that from my notes. <laughs> Alright, I'll just do a really quick review of uh, Larry Crown. Um, Larry Crown, directed by Tom Hanks. Uh, he wrote it with uh, Nia Vardalos, who wrote My Big Fat Greek Wedding, which is a film that I enjoyed the first time I saw it, and then I made the mistake of watching it the second time and absolutely fucking hated it. Really? Yeah. I've never seen it. I mean, okay, I didn't hate it, but it was really annoying the, yeah. the, the second time around. And, and she just remade that movie over and over again, right? Well, yeah, I mean, she had the fucking TV series, and then she had, like, uh, you know, like... There was something else with Destiny or something like that. Some, some, shit, some shit. And she did, like, uh, you know, like, Connie and Carla, that, that fucking movie with uh, Tony Collette and, and her. <laughs> mm. um, but, uh, yeah, this, this movie, it didn't really make much of an impact at the box office when it came out. Um, you know, I mean, it was coming out amidst movies like Transformers 3 and fucking... Thor. I mean, there, it, it had a lot of competition. Also, it looked retarded. Yeah, the trailers didn't sell it that well, and I mean, as a, I mean, as a Tom Hanks fan, it's not his best film, <laughs> uh, not by a long shot. Um, but it's one of those movies that's impossible to completely dislike. Really? Because it is such a well-intentioned film, mm. and the movie is very much like Tom Hanks himself. The movie's just likable, but it never is anything more than that. Mm. You know, it never rises above anything more than just being a likable film, just like Tom Hanks. And uh, the, I mean, the plot is unbelievably straightforward. The guy, Tom Hanks, plays a guy um, who is, um, you know, works at a at a, at a mall. Um, and uh, he works at like a, like a Target style s- sort of uh, shop like, and uh, he's never been promoted because he has no college education but he's made employee of the month like every fucking month for the longest time and he's given a lot of loyal service to this place and the you need a college education to work at Target? No, you need a college education to advance into management College or high school? College and, uh, well, I mean, it, I didn't say Target, but it's a Target-like yeah, yeah, type place. Um, and so the movie, the movie opens with him being, like, as, you know, for those of you who've seen the trailer, you will know what I'm going to say. The movie opens with him being called into the office, and he thinks he's being called in because he's going to make Employee of the Month again. And actually, he's being fired because he has no college education, and they're like, you know, we can't keep you on because you're never going to advance 
beyond what you're already doing and you're just holding other people back so we're gonna fight mm -hmm. and and I like I like the way that's handled that's handled actually quite well I mean that's another thing about the movie is that the, there are certain aspects of the film that are handled quite nicely I mean Tom Hanks directs with with subtlety mm. he doesn't hit you over the head with a lot of things you know but at the same time you gotta understand that Tom Hanks he's from that baby boomer generation so he has baby boomer sensibilities so there are certain saccharine bits that, that come into the film but nothing that you ever feel is like off a fox day yeah. you know I mean he handles it with a pretty deft hand uh, as a director and for those of you who saw his directorial debut that thing you do which I'm a fan of I like that movie um, it's a similar kind of tone. There are there are certain things where you think, well, it's a little kind of too sweet for its own good. But then you remember who's directing it, and you're like, oh, it's fucking Tom Hanks, the nicest guy in the fucking world. So it, you you forgive it, and uh, you forgive this movie the same thing as well. And so basically, he decides to go back to college. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember when I was in college in the states, you see people like this all the time. You know, like college in America, community college in America. It's People Larry Crown's age are going back to college every fucking day. Yeah, I mean, my first year of college, yeah, one of my friends from secondary school, his mom was in my class. Yeah, you know, it's like you just got weird shit like that. So in that regard, it's it's pretty accurate, mm -hmm. you know. And he goes there and uh, he takes this fucking speech class, and Julia Roberts is his teacher. Guess what happened? Is she all fucked up? Yeah, she's all fucked up. She's an alcoholic. Who, even, even when she's really drunk, she still looks like Julia Roberts. Mm. You know, and she's married to Brian Cranston. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean the movie's got a pretty decent cast. It's he got, also turns up and drive. Yeah, it's got Brian Cranston. It's got fucking uh, Pez or Fez, whatever his name is, from that '70s show. Who? That guy Wilder. Wilderama. Uh, yeah, Wilderama. Yeah. Um, it's got Pam Greer. Oh, really? Yeah, Pam Greer is another teacher. So, I mean, it's, her it's got George Takei. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is he flamboyant? He's, fl he's very flamboyant. He's awesome, actually. <laughs> he's good fun. He plays uh, Tom Hanks' economics teacher. Uh, <laughs> he's the senior Chang of the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's very good at it. But he just has that fucking cadence. He still talks like he's fucking Zulu, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like Zulu via Shakespeare or whatever. Mm. Ah, I see. Yeah, you read this course and you shall pass. <laughs> um, so, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the cast. You can't fault the cast. Mm -hmm. It's just that the story itself is very, very middle of the road. You know, it's it's nothing. It's it's a very you, you figured out the entire story 15 minutes into the movie. Mm -hmm. You know exactly what's going to happen. You can guess all the beats. And uh, that's really the movie's biggest problem, is that it doesn't... It's, 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 why, why do they make this? I don't know. It, like, it doesn't really offer... It's a, it's a bit like wallpaper. A little bit, yeah. I mean, it doesn't really offer anything new, and, um, and it's, it just feels like a little bit of a waste of talent. You got fucking Tom Hanks and Julia Roberts. George Takei. George Takei. You, you, know, you got a good cast, yeah. and you even have a pretty solid idea for a story. There are a lot, of mo a lot more interesting things you can do with it. You know, because the character of Larry Crown is actually a very interesting character. It's also a terrible fucking title. Yeah, you know, I mean, the character of like, I mean, the, the character is actually a really interesting character. He, wonder, did, yeah. he didn't go to college because he went straight out of high school. He went to the Navy, you know, uh, he was a cook in the Navy. That's why he never went to college. And, uh, you know, his and he wife, was a Steven Seagal. You know, his wife fucking, you know, yeah, yeah. His wife, his wife left him, you know, it's, it, it, there's a lot of meat there yeah. that is not utilized. They never really go there. That, that's, that's, I'd say a lot of people didn't go to see it because they never saw the first one. 
<laughs> you know, the Thomas Crown Affair. Yeah. I, I love that movie. I know, but you, again, marketing suicide. Yeah, it was marketing suicide. I mean, there's... So in that regard, you know, and, and also, I mean, when he goes to when he goes to college, he takes off with this fucking scooter... Scooter, like... Wanker. Scooter riding. Hipster fucking, scum. Yeah, hipster gang, you know. And, and you think, and you know, and there's nothing particularly offensive about it, but there's then again... There's no weed behind the back of college. No, no, no. But then again, there's nothing exciting about it either. Oh. You know, I mean, that that's that's just it. There's a lot of these little things that they hint at in the movie that you think to yourself, you could do something with this. Does Larry learn to live? Yes, he does. Does Larry learn to love? Yes, he does. Okay, I need 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but that, but that is, that's the plot, right? Larry yeah. learns to live and love. He, go, he goes to college, he reinvents himself... He learns how to live again, he learns how to appreciate himself, he learns how to fucking love again, he learns how to give a speech in speech class because he's taking a fucking speech class, you know? Uh, and there you go. That is the climax of the movie, that speech. There. Graduation speech? That's awesome. one of the climax, that's, that's one of the climax. <laughs> Which is also in the trailer. Uh, so, I mean, it's one of those films that gets off, it gets by just on, on the charm of Tom Hanks. Yeah. So if you like Tom Hanks, I would say watch it because it's a Tom Hanks movie and as a Tom Hanks fan, you'd want to see what he's doing. But Otherwise, don't bother you. Otherwise, you don't really need to bother. I mean, it has its moments, but not enough to recommend it if you're not a fan of Tom Hanks. Cool. Uh, I finally got to watch Drive, which wasn't released in Malaysia due to technical fucking difficulties. Um... Drive, I think we mentioned before there was two very cool clips. We saw two, oh, there was a trailer, which mm-hmm. was badass. Yeah, the trailer was awesome. And then there was a previous, before the trailer, there was a scene of him driving a car for bank robbers and like doing smart shit. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, pulling in and turning the lights off and the cops are in the corner and all this kind of stuff. And he's in. That, that's essentially the opening minutes of the game of the movie. Mm-hmm. Essentially, if I drive for you, you give me time and place. I give you a five-minute window. Anything happens in that five minutes, and I'm yours no matter what. I don't sit in while you're running it down. I don't carry a gun. That's the opening of the movie. That's cool. Um, Ryan Gosling is just—he's just like nailing hitting, it. He's just hitting it out the park, man. So the plot of this is that Ryan Gosling is the driver. You never get his fucking name, and he wears the same clothes throughout. He has that. If you see the trailer, he's got a cool kind of silver, silver racing yeah. jacket with a, a yellow scarf. It's one, on those, it's one of those things like, as soon as you see it, you want to buy that fucking jacket. But if you saw it in the street, you'd be like, okay. Yeah, you know, it's like you gotta. It takes a. Like, like, you know, it's like it takes a real man to wear pink. Yeah. And, and with that jacket coupled with driving brown leather driving gloves. So, keep but that's, but from what I understand is that one of the things that makes this film so cool is that. It looks like it was made in the eighties. Yeah, there's a huge. That's a huge. I mean, there's a there's a great article on Wikipedia for this because I have a lot of well, like, which I'll get to. But it is. Um, he's a driver, and he does. So you're introduced to the beginning doing this job where he picks up two. He just drives, arrives. Two guys come out of a, run into a store or whatever, rip it off, get into his car, and he drives. And then you know it's him avoiding the cops and figuring out ways to get around stuff and things like that. And I think the, the, the clip shows him going onto a bridge in the helicopter. You know, gets them out as possible, and it's not quite clever. But that's not the main point of the movie. So he's a uh, by night or whatever he does that kind of driving stuff. By day, he's actually um, a stuntman mm-hmm. working with Brian Cranston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brian Cranston and Brian, true Brian Cranston. You're introduced to Albert Brooks and uh, Ron Perlman. Perlman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman. Yeah. Perlman. 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 Hellboy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who? Who I was? I think the. 
It's like, you know, what do you eat? Albert Brooks, is eating, Albert Brooks is eating Chinese food in Nino's Italian restaurant. He's like, what are you doing eating pizza in this place? Like, you're eating, you're eating Jewish pizza all right now. I, the love two of them, I love Albert Brooks. There's a great, Albert Brooks is a great, great role in this. Um, and so does Rob Herman. So they're kind of gangsters. Brian Cranston wants to get into some money for putting together a racing team for NASCAR. Because mm-hmm. there's a kid drive. Mm-hmm. You see this kid behind the car? This kid can drive. Brian, Brian Cranston is doing his desperate man persona. You know, like, he's really desperate to do something. And he's just, he's up, that infuses every moment of his being. In the meantime, the driver... Who would have thunk that the dad from Malcolm... I know. He's just like knocking it out of the factory. <laughs> he's Richter. He's fucking Richter for fuck's sake. He's soon to be knocking it out of the park in Ben Affleck's Argo as well. Yeah. Really looking forward to seeing that. So the key to the movie is that basically the driver has this side of his life, but he also meets Irene, played by Carrie Mulligan, and her kid. Mm-hmm. And whose dad is... Do we see Christina Hendricks' tits? No. Ah, shit. <laughs> She's a very, very small piece. Um, part piece. Uh, Oscar Isaac, who was Blue John from Sucker Punch, remember the guy who yeah, ran yeah, the club? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So essentially, Oscar Isaac, he's another guy who's just like coming out of nowhere. Yeah, he's the Coens have cast him as as the lead in their new film. Whoa! Yeah, like a, it's, a, it's a, they're doing a musical. I mean, I saw him. His name's Standard. And it's like uh, he's also the lead in the, the co-lead in this film, this independent film coming out called Revenge for Jolly. Have you heard of this? No. This this one. This one sounds okay. Go ahead. I don't care what you're looking at. I don't know. Leaving in the middle of my overview. <laughs> no, like Re- Revenge for Jolly. This movie sounds pretty fucking crazy. Yeah. It's um, it's uh, it's it's about a man who recruits. It's about a man who recruits his cousin to uh, find out who is behind his dog's suspicious death, <laughs> and then they go looking for the fucker. And it's uh, Oscar Isaac and Brian Petzos. As uh, the, as as the uh, and Elijah Woods in it, Elijah Wood, right? Elijah Wood, Ryan Philippe, Kristen Rigg, Adam Brody. The Kristen Kirsten thing's getting on my tits now. I just need to get rid of one of those names because I can't call Kristen Stewart, Kirsten Stewart. I nearly said Elijah Root. <laughs> root, fancy a root, right? <laughs> so anyway, um, Oscar Isaac is her husband who's in jail. This reminds me, it's like you remember that play that I did with. Uh, Apocalypse, mm-hmm. and Ash Meyer says something like, "That's a really condescending way to root to root for someone," no. <laughs> because he always swallows his fucking words every every night. Like, every night's like, "That's a really condescending way to root someone." Root. Fancy a rip. Meanwhile, Gaza. Back to the drive review. It's me, Gaza. Um. But Oscar, Oscar Isaac is basically her husband who's in jail for a crime he did commit, and uh, he's getting out soon, so there's that kind of complication to the relationship between the driver and Irene. All of which is very much standard crime drama. Nicholas Winding Refn is the director who directed, um, what the fuck did he do? Bronson and Valhalla Rising, and I reviewed Valhalla Rising. Yes, you did. And it's all, this you, is... You weren't too crazy about that. I wasn't too crazy about it, but this is very much an extension of that movie. That movie was lots of Mads Mikkelsen looking insane in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. This is a lots of Ryan Gosling looking, looking cool in the city. Yeah. I mean, the music, I might even put the music over the end of, the end of this. Because I've heard a lot about the music. The there music is a very cool old. 80s track, which is pure synth, and it's just so nice. And there's a lot of shots of LA. I think it's LA by night. It is LA, and they took out. I think they said they didn't. They shot like to make it. They didn't shoot any new-looking buildings, but it looks like fucking Blade Runner. And with that amount of synth and him driving cars and no dialogue, it's like Van Gelis. Very much so. And uh, that, that uh, real hero is this uh, track by uh, College or Col- 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 Collage. 
College, uh, featuring Electric Youth, a real hero, and it plays at the beginning and end of the movie. And there's Brian Eno's track and ending is used whenever Ryan Gosling and uh, Carrie Mulligan are together. Mm-hmm. And you've heard this music before. Mm-hmm. It's like Secret Ross or something like that. It's just kind of just, it's like um, when you rub your finger on a glass. Mm-hmm. Lots of noise like that. And you've seen it in hundreds of fucking movies. But it really works well here. One of the things I can't figure out is whether Ryan Gosling is a really good actor or he's really, really fucking lazy. Because <laughs> he, from what he I said, fuck all in this movie. I mean, you could fit his lines in the back of a postage stamp. Well, from what I understand also is that his uh, his uh, expressions are very limited as well yeah. in this film. It's like he, he does next to nothing in this yeah. film. But, but then again... But, but that, I think, and I've seen him in Blue Valentine in Crazy Stupid Love and he does the same thing in, in all three. It's very interesting because I was reading an in, uh, uh, a review of The Ides of the March, mm. and, uh, the George Clooney directed flick in which he's also the lead. Yeah. And the reviewer says, Ryan Gosling has mastered the art of being still. Yes. You know, and, 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 and you think the only movie that is saving this guy's ass right now is Crazy Stupid Love from what I can... What do you mean saving his ass? In, in regards to the whole him being still thing. He's pretty fucking still and crazy stupid love. Really? Yeah, oh, he has a, he's a real fucking, like, Guido kind of accent kind of thing, you know? He's got a real tough kind of persona, like, when he talks. I mean, he looks like, you expect him to speak like Ryan Rouse or something, but he's like, hey. Have you seen the Noble? Have you seen hey. the Noble? Have you seen the Noble? No. Neither have I. I no. wonder if he's still in that Because well. it's like, hey, we know what's going on with you and your missus, you know? You're in there every night, you're having drinks. You know, this is a crazy super love. You're in there every night, you talk about it. And we know, she fucked him on the guy. How do we know this? Because you tell everybody. You need to keep it down, pal. That's what he's like, it's crazy stupid love. And that's what he sees in, in Blue Valentine, fair enough. The most depressing date movie ever. I think it's online. I, I think I remember I reviewed that. Mm-hmm. It's where they have like the teenage group, or the, the teenage couple, and then, then 20 years later when they hate each other. And in that as well, he's just like, let's go and go with pain, you know? What's wrong, baby? What's wrong, baby? Why are you going to be like that, baby? What's going on, baby? You know, he's got that drawl thing going on. In this, he's chewing on a toothpick most of the time. But, like, you know, the first movie's Carrie Mulligan. What do you do? That's right. And it's left. That's it. You know, there's no, oh, I, I, I do this for movies. So it's, 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 It'd be interesting to see, like, uh, you know, because, like, you don't want him to become, like, the, the sort of, like, opposite of Christian Bale. Mm. You know, it's like the same fucking thing, only, like, one guy growls, the other guy just doesn't say anything. Yeah, I mean, if you edit this, you could edit this movie down and be the transport. But, a bit, but with a bit more of an arty edge. But it's those long seconds. It is a very slow movie. If you have an ADHD, you're not going to get past the credits. Um, Pinky Bots is going to watch the marathon man tonight. Is it safe? 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 I've not seen the marathon man. What? You haven't seen the marathon I haven't seen it, no. You fucking asshole. You had no right to say that. <laughs> Today the role of the nasty should be played by a piece of shit. <laughs> or a tomato. Played by a bagel. Mm. But it is a really, you know, there's a lot of like, cool scenes either driving around town or doing jobs and, you know, he basically gets involved with Carrie Mulligan and her husband when he gets out of jail, but in a nice way. And then get involved with Albert Brooks and shit goes south real fast. And then it's trying to recover from that. And Albert Brooks, uh, read the Wikipedia page for this, you know, when Nicholas Winding Refn was saying, like, you know, they, like, he himself and Ryan Gosling, Ryan Gosling got to choose the director for this. Mm-hmm. Once he was attached, he said, I'd like to try this guy because he's a list of people he'd like to work with, and that was on the list. Mm-hmm. So we got to them, and the two of them just drove around town, like, and they would do this on the set as well. They'd all, like, you know, have do shooting and some of that, and they just drive around town and like to get the feel for the movie. And you can feel that in it. There's a definite feel and a vibe to it, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Um, Albert Brooks is awesome in this because you've never seen him play a character like this. Because he is the Albert Brooks character, mm-hmm. but then when shit gets real, he handles it. Excellent. And he's like to Ron Perlman. He, he, he kills a guy at one point and he just says to Ron Perlman, now you gotta clean up my ass because he's gotta clean up Ron Perlman's mess because this whole thing happened. Christina Hendricks is hard to get it. Um, music deserves a record. Uh, oh, I should also mention that Nick, <laughs> director Nicholas Winding Refn also directed Miss Marple, Nemesis. Mm-hmm. I want to see that. <laughs> I just assume it's Miss Marple and some other old chick in a fucking cage match. Now, he is definitely one of the more interesting directors. He was supposed to direct um, uh, well, uh, the, the Keanu Reeves Jekyll and Hyde movie. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that would have been really, really interesting. There's, a great, there's other great stories if you look at the Wikipedia page for it and putting it together and like they really just hit it off and stuff like that. And just asking Albert Brooks and he's just like, yeah, you know, it's not what we, they didn't expect to get him, but it's just that there's an intensity to what he's doing that is really, really good. Like you just see that, to see him doing the normal thing. Cause you've seen the trailer where he's like, you know, shaking hands and like Brian Gosling comes over, stands there for like a minute, takes off his gloves and says, my hands are dirty. And Albert Brooks, like a normal person, responds straight away. It is almost as if Ryan Gosling has a hearing defect or there's a delay between him hearing shit mm-hmm. and actually having any effect. Because anyone anytime talks to him, there's like a 30 second minute delay. <laughs> and it's cool, but I'm surprised no one just slaps him out of it. Yeah. But it is, it is a, it's, a, it's a very cool movie. It gets, it gets quite violent in the end, quite scarily violent at points. Right. Um, but it all, it's all done with its own pace. And it, I mean, and that, that, that keys into the character as well because the driver is capable at whatever he puts his hands to. Right. Uh, he has to put his hands to some very things. So definitely, yeah. Cool. A lot of people, a lot of people say it's the movie of the year. Just make sure you're settled in and you're not expecting the transporter because, like, that people, well, that woman who's sitting because she's expecting fast pies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one thing this movie is not is fast. It takes its time. Very much so. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, just a really quick, cook, a really quick review of uh, the trip. Uh, which was, as I said earlier, edited together from various episodes of uh, the TV uh, show called The Trip. The Trip, which uh, stars Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon as uh, fictional versions of themselves going on a tour of Northern England, going uh, a restaurant tour of Northern England. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say too much about the film. I mean, I've never seen the TV series. Um, but I assume that maybe. Well, what does it say? That's not a screen. Do they say how. Have you any idea how they? Uh, I don't know. I, mean, it? I have no idea because I mean I've never seen the TV series, so I don't know how they edit the different parts together. Yeah. Uh, I will say though that it's fucking seamless. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe what they probably just did is cut out uh, a restaurant or two because they did like, I think it's six episodes in the TV show, so they visit each episode. They visit a different restaurant. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, this is like each day they visited a different restaurant, hmm. uh, so that, I don't think they could cut out any of the restaurants, but um, it. it it, it seems pretty seamless to me. I mean, I would never have guessed. How did you realize it was Michael Winterbottom? He's done a lot of shit. Yeah, it? Michael Winterbottom's done a lot of amazing stuff. Really diverse. Name seven. What? Name seven. Name seven. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> Nine songs. Oh, yeah, yeah, With kitchen drinks, kitchen sink dramas kind of stuff, right? Yeah, he's, he's done a lot of stuff. <laughs> Fact checking live here, ladies and gentlemen. I've seen Cock and Bull Story. 24 Hour Party People. 24 Hour Party People. Uh, fucking a Mighty Hard. Code 46. Yeah, Code 46. That's a good movie. I like I that. Wonderland. Uh, uh, fuck, what else? The Claim. 
Uh, that's about all I can remember. Welcome to Sarajevo. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's done a lot of shit. Um, so, but it's really funny. I mean, this movie is really funny. The, yeah. the rapport between Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon. Well, the way they're, they're playing, like Steve Coogan, for those of you who don't know, was um, Alan, Partridge. Alan Partridge or Around the World in 80 Days. The, Alan, the Steve Coogan um, read... Uh, biography of Alan Partridge is supposed to be fucking hilarious, like six hours of pure comedy gold. But he's playing the—he's playing an asshole character. He's playing yeah. himself as an asshole, uptight. I was in fucking Hollywood bitches. Yeah. And Rob Brydon, Brydon, you're the guy with the man with the small box voice, and you're also the guy from Gavin and Stacey. You're a TV guy. Fuck you. Yeah. And the way they play, the, in the—I'm not sure how it works in the movie. In the TV shows, they hit a very much of a pattern uh, their own rhythm where it's like they, they, they get up they're chatting away there may be something where they're actually just having a laugh with co- comedians fucking around for a bit in the car right? yeah, 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 yeah. then they get there then they start like the knives come out for the main course and also they're getting in each other's backs yeah, 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 yeah. where it's like they're saying stuff to each other that the other person should be saying fuck off I want nothing more to do with you but they just keep going is it the, the same yeah, thing right? the same, same thing, same thing. Yeah. and uh, it's done very well it's done very well I mean uh, I don't really know what else to say about it I mean like it's got such amazing dialogue uh, which you can tell is probably 50 to 60 percent improvised Mm. because you can't write this shit (laughs) you can't you know, uh, what is it? That, 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 it's so it's so specific to who they are. Yeah, I mean, in the car they just start doing Michael Caine impressions, right? The Michael Caine thing pops up a whole bunch of times. Yeah. The whole Sean Connery thing pops up a bunch of times. Their comments on and that. they're critiquing each other's um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. impressions. Yeah, like scathing. Yeah, and it's brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliant. And what's great about it is that it's exactly the kind of film that Americans will never be able to do. Yeah. I mean, not to say they can't appreciate it or that they can't get it, but they will never be able to make a movie like this. They'll never be able to make a t- do a TV series like this because they just do not have the same kind of sensibilities. As funny as this is, there is something about making this. Making fun of yourself. No, there's there's something about this. No, the humor. Making fun of yourself is different. The way they make fun of each other is so inherently British. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, the brochures, right? Yeah, that's what makes it so fucking funny. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, you know, it's like the whole thing of like when, when, when the uh, waiter comes and it's like, this is such and such resting on a bed of blah, blah, blah. And then you know, Rob Brydon goes, it's rather optimistic to say that it's resting. <laughs> you know, I mean, just simple things like that that Americans will never fucking do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they would never think of thinking that. That that's small. I'm also, I'm also thinking here going, you know, because oh, that's the kind of, Rob Brydon is the jolly, you know, always optimistic kind of guy, and um, uh, Steve Coogan is just manic depressive for most of that, and just fucking anything that moves. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if you are unfamiliar with the TV series as I am, um, I really enjoyed this film. I was laughing my ass off. I I highly recommend it. Um, and How long was it? Banana. Yeah, banana. Not very long. Six, I think it was six or seven episodes, maybe. No, no, it wasn't very long at all. Uh, I mean, maybe, I mean, like, just slightly more than an hour and a half, but no, nothing more than that, nothing that you couldn't handle. Um, but yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it, and it makes me want to go and seek out the TV series. Yeah, yeah, definitely should. Yeah. Um, do you have something else, or would no, you no, Tintin? No, what do you think of Tintin, then? I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, to me, the main thing that just kept popping up in my mind was, uh, okay, first of all, a minute into it, you forget the motion capture animation. Yeah, I mean, the, it's lighting, right? The lighting is amazing. It, 
after a while, it just looks real. Yeah, I, I had to, though, it was like, the, the problem I had was I kept waking up to it. So, like, yeah. half yeah. an hour into it, you go, like, that's not Billy Elliot, Jamie Bell. I know it's yeah. Jamie Bell, but you just, because yeah. you hear his voice, and then there's something, and you can see his eyes, and you're like, and also, his head isn't shaped like a potato. Yeah, and also the way it's shot, you know, and, and the first time when I noticed this was um, during the scene with the opera singer. With, yeah. the, with the nightingale. The hideous, the ugly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with, with the nightingale. The way that was shot, that was shot like a live action movie. Yeah. It's like, you know, like where, where, where it's just, just, just past someone's finger, you know, where you see like from a low angle. Mm. You know, that is, that, you know, the, the, that, that was when like suddenly it dawned on me like, holy shit, th this is not shot like an animated movie. Yeah, yeah. It's just really clever the way that he's done it. As I said, when, when, when Tintin was walking around the market at the beginning buying stuff, and you're like... Yeah, it just looks... The lighting like is correct on Haddock's, him, Haddock's on the beard. floor, on everything. Haddock's beard is amazing. Yeah. Um, the, I mean... Unfortunately, well, after the first minute, all that, all that time and effort is gone. Because yeah. you're just watching it as watching a movie with mutants. I mean... Because they all have horribly deformed faces. They do, they do. To me, I mean, the first thing that I got when I was watching the film is like... This is what the last Indiana Jones movie should have been. Yeah, you know, uh, because it does feel like an Indiana Jones movie. Even when 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 people get punched, the punch sound effect sounds like the Indiana Jones. Which punch. is yeah, yeah, which yeah. is that crazy noise they have. Which yeah, doesn't... and it's got a it's got a couple of nice a couple of nice nods to both Spielberg and Jackson. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Did you think one of the guys on the boat? It was one of the guys who was running around when Tintin was running around with Haddock, yeah. who looked like the guy who Indiana Jones fought under the flying V-wing in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Remember the big fucking huge ball dude he fought? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. One of the guys running around the ship looks almost exactly like him. A little bit. And there's also a thing with when they had the picture of um, the guy, the Nightingales, the, where she was going to play. Mm -hmm. Was that Steven Spielberg just in a hat? I, I missed that. Because when when I saw the when they had the, they had the, like the, they had the when Tintin found the, like you know the, the little thing saying that this guy had he had the leaflet thing that had a picture and it kind of looked like Steven Spielberg. But then when you saw that character later on, it was like oh no, it's actually a, a character thing here. But I was I, wondering does that look like a photo? I'm, I'm just wondering that. if they put him in the tournament. I missed that. Glasses. I I totally missed that. I'm sure there's hundreds of them. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm <laughs> well, imagine the Spider Monkey really stood out for me. It's like hey, bring that. Dead alive. <laughs> uh, but no, I really, really enjoyed it, and the the chase sequence in the third act. Was, Where did the tank come from? Was I, I don't know. I don't care. But then they just like nobody disappeared. Oh look, there's a tank in the building. I thought. I mean, the chase sequence in the third. That's act. The one, that's the one with the motorbike, right? And when they yeah. burned everything. Yeah. To me, that was unbelievable. I mean, that was worth the price of admission. And again, it was also classic Indiana Jones style. They were in a motorbike with sidecar. Yeah, it was going to be the Indian Sean Connery. You know, and and the, and that whole and that whole thing with the bazooka was classic Indiana Jones Sean Connery. Yeah. yeah. And the only thing that took Sean, the dog. The only thing. That, yeah. <laughs> the only thing that took me out of the movie, and this is not a complaint, it's just not what I was expecting. Is that in my mind? I never ever heard Captain Haddock with a Scottish with a Scottish accent, mm. and there was nothing in the source material to suggest that he wasn't. Yeah. I, that's just never how I heard it in my head. It was well. And it took me a little while. I always kind of heard it like 
Well, I mean, English just accent. slightly. Yeah. Just slightly. I mean, you know, like, let's drink blue barnacles. Yeah. I mean, just like. He says that a lot. He says that. Yeah. The first time it was funny. The second time it was like, oh, cute. The third like, time it was like, oh, they're in typhoons. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I, I loved all that shit. Yeah. You know, but to me, it was just. I mean, and, and again, as a fan of the source material, it's impossible to dislike this movie. Oh, I should mention because there's so sure, much love. I'm not sure if they're still doing it, but on the iPad, they're selling the entirety of the Tintin run for five dollars. Where? On the iPad. Like right. to actually download onto your iPad and read on your iPad. All right. So if you have an iPad and you're interested in Tintin, did you ever see the old animated movies? Yes, I did. Yeah, I did. Well, how did I? I can't remember because I can't remember how. They, they were they were essentially um, um, motion. Motion comics. In a way, they were one step above motion comics. Mm. Well, I can't remember what had ex- had ex- I, I can't really remember either. I mean, I saw them years ago. What do you think of Thompson and Thompson? They weren't. They didn't get to do much. They were ridiculously retarded. I didn't mind them. No, I didn't mind them. I mean, like, I, I, I had no issues with it. I, I thought they were true to the comic. You know, mm. and that's what I mean. I, I actually enjoy Thompson and Thompson because that's who they are. I guess. You know, I mean. It's not like it's not like fucking Spielberg and Jackson did something different with them. If you go back and read the comics, they are like that. They're fucking retarded. They're idiots. <laughs> you know that's part of their appeal. Yeah. You know. So all I can say is is that I hope to God this movie makes lots of bank because you want to see. I want to see the next one. I want to see the, with the submarine looks like a shark. I want to see Professor Calculus, and I want to see what Peter Jackson does with it. So I they said what they do with the second two. The third one be Adventures de la Moon. Because it's the only one I ever saw over and over again. No, I mean, like, uh, just based on um, the... Uh, well, Red Rackham's Treasure. It's, it's, yeah, Red Rackham's Treasure is going to be the next one with the fucking shark submarine. Yeah, yeah. You know, so uh, we, we got to see that. <laughs> and it's a smiling shark. It's, it's, it's a, a smiling shark. shark. It's yeah. a happy shark. I'm trying to think. Was there was a Hannah thing. There was a lot of... I mean, you were saying that while there was that, that, that lovely... You know, there was that, that lovely, this is a real feeling, real people um, effect... There was also the flashbacks to Haddock's story. Mm. There was a lot of that was nice. A lot of really nice dissolves and yeah, mixes. Yeah. Like the reflection in the sword is not the reflection in the world. You go into the sword and you're back at Haddock. You're back with the French Foreign Legion, and then you know he's actually bringing around the lights. A glass knocks over or something, and then you're back somewhere else. You know, there's one point. I think when when Haddock and Tintin first shake hands, yeah, uh, Tintin's thumb becomes a dune that they crest over on the on the camels. There's some really, really yeah, inventive Yeah, some really nice, nice things being done there. No, I mean, I, I think it's a great film, and I really hope that it finds an audience. I mean, globe, I mean, aside from America, it's been making quite a bit of money in Europe. I, you know, I just, I hope it, I hope it makes enough money to justify a sequel because I would really love to see one. Yeah. Um, did you? One thing I must ask you though is, when the climax happened with the cranes. Yeah. I didn't think that was a climax. I felt that that was leading up to something else. I thought it'd be a no, I was, I was ready for the movie to end. I was ready for the movie to end, but I didn't. I, I didn't think the story had gotten to that perspective. I didn't think it was really. I didn't realize this is the end of the movie. Yeah. No, for me, I, I did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just got that weird. I thought it was kind of like cute set piece with the cranes and then car chase or something. No, for me, it was enough. I was. I was, oh, I, it was enough too. I'm just, I, I, I thought it was paced slightly wrong around that stage. Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, it didn't lead up to it. Let's say this is your big set piece. Yeah. A bit like the other scene with the cranes. No, I mean, for me, actually, it was kind of the opposite. I, I, I would have been pretty happy uh, for the movie to have uh, ended, I mean, like, uh, right when, without the cranes. Mm. You know, I was like, I didn't, because, like, after that chase sequence, 
I was I was quite satisfied. You know? yeah. I was like I didn't really feel the need of the crane sequence. I didn't mind the crane sequence; it was fun. Yeah. But um, I was actually the opposite of you. I felt that that was kind of in a strange way almost unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Oh, one thing: 3D. Did you take your glasses off at all? Um, I didn't wash it in 3D. Oh, you wasn't 2D. You're not missing much. I, I didn't feel like I was missing you know, much. You know, uh, even in that, when we watched Avatar and you take them off, there's still one or two things. Even in the scenes where there's not much 3D, there's yeah. still a few blur of vision items in there, right? Yeah. When Tintin's breaking into the house at the first point, yeah. um, there was no 3D elements whatsoever on the screen. Mm. Like, it's the, it was the yellow 3D glasses. I don't think that's, that's, the real D is the ones that aren't running, right? There's the other one yeah. that does the, 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 is it the Dolby ones that do the, they have a battery and then the flicker. Part. Yeah, yeah. So it's those ones. Now maybe, I don't know, maybe because of that technology it doesn't blur as much, but there was times when I was looking at it, it's like, there's nothing here in 3D, mm -hmm. which is quite weird. I mean, I know they're going for that illusion of depth and everything, but there wasn't there at all. So it wasn't interesting use, it's like, they brought all this 3D in and not really using it at all. Well, I mean, I, I, I didn't watch it in 3D, I figured if I liked the movie a lot, I'll give it a second go in 3D, and uh, after watching it, I don't feel that I really need to. I mean, I it's a great film on its own. You don't really need to see it in 3D. Yeah. But then again, I feel that way about most movies, you know? It's like, if, if, a, if a movie's good enough, you don't you shouldn't have to rely on a fucking gimmick. Yeah. Which, at the end of the day, regardless, I mean, th I mean 3D may, may add to... Like it may add to something, but it doesn't make a movie better. No. Well, as I said, we're, we're, we're really looking forward to see what Hugo does with 3D. As I said, it, it may, yeah. that seems to be a, a love song to George Melier. Yeah. And uh, tying all that stuff in together. So it'll be interesting to see the beginning of cinema and the current state of cinema tied together in the next way. Cool. That wasn't too bad, was it? No. Hopefully, this one's not shit. Um. Smashing, cracking. Right. right, and we'll uh, finish off with the Malaysian and US box office top 10. Malaysia, number 10. Alamat, Toyol. Number 9, Tower Heights. Number 8, Seeking Justice. Also, I think known as just justice in some territories. Either way, there's justice and trespass in the two Nicolas Cage movies no one gives a shit about. Number 7, Shark Knight. Number 6, Puss in the Boots. I want to see this. Yeah, so do I. Number 5, Tintin. Number four, you are the apple of my eye. What the fuck's that? I don't know. Number three, Immortals. Number two, Aku Bukan Tomboy. And number one, Happy Feet 2. A lot of happy kids. In the US, number 10, The Descendants. I really want to see this. Yeah, I mean, it's also getting good Oscar buzz, right? Yeah. Number, number nine, nine Intan. Number eight, A Very Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas. So it's better than the second one. Yep. Number seven, Jay Edgar. What? What have you heard about this? Someone told me the other day that this was getting... Hang on, was it you? Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> that was Monday, right? <laughs> it's been getting uh, a lot middling of... Middling reviews. Yeah, middling reviews. They say that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's performance is the best thing about it, but the movie itself isn't that great. Number six, Tower Heist. Go, run or go. Number five, Puss in Boots. Number four, Jack and Jill, a.k.a. The Fall of Western Civilization. Number three, Immortals. Number two, Happy Feet 2. And at number one... Twilight, Breaking Dawn, Part One. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and again, if you've made it this far, thank you again. And you can get in contact with us at podcast at me up and fries. Questions, recipes, uh, requests to give shorter podcasts. Anything you want, you can send it to us. I'm gonna leave it there. Thank you. Good luck to me. Thank you. See ya.